Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast edition. Today is Friday, May 7th, 2021, and I am your host, Kevin McDonald, executive producer here at New Mexico PBS. We are in the middle of an election season in New Mexico. Early voting is now in place for the special election in the first congressional district race to replace Deb Holland in Congress. And we will be spending some time in uh, upcoming podcast episodes talking to some of the candidates, uh, starting off with the Democrat and Republican candidates, both of whom serve in the state legislature currently, the Democrat Melanie Stansberry in the House and Senator Mark Moores, the Republican in the Senate. So we encourage you to look out for that shortly. But right now in this podcast, we are taking a segment from the show this week, bringing it to you here on the podcast. Uh, And you probably saw in the headlines this week that President Biden actually declared Thursday Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day. And that all happens as the new Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, as we mentioned a minute ago. She devotes more attention and resources to the problem through the creation of a specialized unit in the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The president says all levels of government need to work together if the crisis is to come to an end. And we wanted to bring the problem more in focus this week as we have in the past. Correspondent Antonia Gonzalez spoke to two advocates who have been working hard on the problem here in New Mexico. We have the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Task Force. Uh, That is part of the efforts that uh, is coming to an end, as you will hear, though, although the governor has issued an executive order to keep keep up much of that work. And so let's turn it over to Antonia Gonzalez and her special guest to talk about MMIW here in New Mexico. Angel, Charlie, and Christine Means, welcome to New Mexico in Focus. Hi, Antonia. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And Christine, your work's personal to you, uh, advocating for your family and also working with the state on this issue. Um, We hear about all the different challenges to address the issue through a maze of jurisdictions, agencies, and governments. How was the task force able to overcome some of those barriers or break barriers? I think the task force has been really integral in connecting the different levels and layers that we have stacked up against issues of MMIW in Indian country. So they've got representation from communities off reservation, communities on Indian lands, federal, state, um, tribal. So I think that uh, bridging the communication between all of the different groups is represented. And the task force uh, issued a report recommendations after a year's work. And some of those recommendations we'll get to in a a little while. But um, Angel, your advocacy group, advocates like yourself and also families, are there to make connections, play a role working with tribes, law enforcement, policymakers? How are families and advocates changing the narrative when it comes to MMIWR? Um, I think they're the storytellers. They're the ones with the lived experience of the issue. And so um, what we do and how we work with the families um, on the issue is just like centering that, making sure that they stay in the focus 
um, especially when these issues get taken up by policymakers and legislation, that we remember where it started and, and where it comes from and, and why it matters. And uh, Christine, what do, you, what do you have to add to that? How your work that you've been doing um, all these years before even helping with the task force is changing the narrative? I think that, you know, what Angel said is absolutely correct. It's focusing on the families and the survivors, the community members who have been advocating for a long time because they are the real experts in MMIW and NMIWR. Um, so many people have been fighting for years and generations in their family, whether it's for um, policy change, justice, recognition in the media, um, you know, cases at the court tribal level. So I think it's really turning to the people who've been doing this work for a long time and making sure that they're a part of the task forces and official capacities, organizations, conferences, all of that. I think it's, it's turning to the people who've been experiencing this, this firsthand. And the task force did release uh, findings and recommendations late last year to the governor and state lawmakers. Some of those uh, recommendations include the need for more resources uh, for data collection because there are a number of cases that go unreported and are unknown. And Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland recently announced the creation of a missing unit to help address this uh, on the national level and also which will trickle down to the local level. Christine, what does that mean receiving resources and even just attention on the federal level? What does that do? You know, I think it elevates the voice. It elevates stories. It elevates the work that people are doing. It amplifies the voices of organizations like the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native Women. It, it, it elevates the voices of the task force because so much of this work has to happen on every level. So we can do the work in the communities. We need to be doing the work in our own families, in our own homes. But then we have the people who are advocating for us at the organizational level, nonprofit fundraising. Then we go to tribal, state and federal. And without that national voice and that representation, I think we're all you know, working so hard, but also maybe duplicating the work. So I think um, having somebody who can help streamline the focus and maybe help figure out where it is we need more support on that national level, but also gaining the support of people who are not familiar with MMIW is so important in the work. So I think the her establishment of it and making it such a priority in her first weeks, you know, as Secretary of the Interior shows such a big opportunity for everybody at every level. So whether you're currently going through it right now as a family, you're working with somebody who's maybe just come home, you're advocating for a bill, it just, it kind of grounds it and it gives a foundation of, of like, we're, we're, the work we're doing is heard and other people are fighting at all different levels. And Angel, how important is that for organizations like yours to have that federal attention and maybe be able to um, interact and get some resources from the federal government and working with um, even Secretary Holland herself or some of her staff members. Uh, how is working with the federal government uh, trickle down to local communities and being more than just a lip service from the government? 
Um, well, I, that's a great question. I was reading an article early this morning about um, when Operation Lady Justice was first established, I think they had a budget of $1 million and the um, new unit is has an allocation of six million. And so they're putting real money resources into the issue. It also really helps that um, on the federal level is where those gaps are, right? That these departments don't speak to one another, DOI, DOJ. Um, and to have someone like Secretary Holland in that position to coordinate um, the units is gonna be really helpful. Uh, we're one of 19 tribal coalitions throughout the country. So we serve New Mexico and kind of the Southwest region, um, but our sister agencies have been taking on the issue for a really long time. Um, and we, we do policy advocacy, um, systems change work, but it's been hard for us to figure out where to put the issue of MMIW, right? Federal funding is very specific on what you can and cannot advocate for. And so for years, we've been trying to figure out how do we make this fit into our programming? How do we justify the issue? And for us as an organization, um, we've leaned into it through our sex trafficking program. Um, so, so it's really been sustained there and our sex trafficking coordinator um, has led the work for the organization for a really long time. But I think what this also gets to do is um, name it as its own issue. So we don't have to keep trying to make it fit in the other area um, issues. And then, yeah, just back to that, this, it's gonna have real resources. So, so we do hope that that trickles down and that um, this very specific issue gets to be addressed. And just looking at all the different issues and challenges it, when it comes to addressing um, missing and murdered indigenous women, girls and relatives, there's also on top of that, the pandemic. And Angel, um, you're hosting a session with uh, some tribal leaders uh, talking about domestic violence and this issue and just also how communities have been impacted, especially in rural areas with domestic violence when it comes to the pandemic. What does that look like in tribal communities? Um, well, that's what we're going to listen to the advocates for. So, so we have uh, several panels where we have people who've been working on the front line um, this past year tell us like what happened, what worked, what didn't work, what were some of the challenges, what were some of those barriers and really get to hear from them, like what maybe some of those curfew orders that are still in place right now for tribal community, um, how those might've impacted um, seeking shelter or needing to leave the community um, if, if you were experiencing domestic violence. And so um, we're using it as an opportunity to, to build back our systems a little better. This was a great opportunity to learn in a crisis moment um, what worked and how we can sustain that going forward. And Christine, that's also something the task force examined um, through the year. And also, I'm sure it, it also had challenges for task force members in working on um, missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and relatives. Yeah, I think that the initial planning of the task force was going to be very hands-on, which is how it was started. Public meetings, they wanted to, the task force members wanted to go to communities and have forums where people could come in and talk and give their experience. And I was able to attend um, their first public meeting here in Albuquerque. And then 
um, when the new year started in COVID, it really slowed the momentum. So uh, the public meetings turned to, to Zoom, which for a portion of the population was okay because we have internet access, we're able to get on. But I know it, it stopped that communication line with a lot of people in communities who maybe didn't have internet or just could not get to a computer that day. And um, you know, to participate in Zoom, which is another issue we have is the, the access to internet in rural communities and then in some native communities. So that was an issue and it was just something that was, all we could do was push through and continue to host Zoom meetings. What do you hope happens with the task force in the future? The task force today is in their last few months of the official appointment time. So when they were appointed um, in the original House bill, the task force was set to uh, expire, sunset, end on June 30th, 2021. So right now the official task force is in the last couple months of meeting, of convening, of trying to accomplish what it is they set out to do. And a big part of that was the report in publishing it. And then after that was proposing a bill, which there was a bill proposed in the legislative session, um, March 2021. The House bill didn't go through, unfortunately, but they've pivoted and decided to propose an executive order to the New Mexico governor in its place. And that would ensure that a task force could continue on moving forward into 2022. And I think the, the overall goal really is to find that long-term solution, that long-term support of what it is that the task force's role is in the state of New Mexico. What is the role that it plays with tribes, with the New Mexico Indian Affairs Department, with this, the government of the state of New Mexico? So I think that um, in the initial year of findings, something, some recommendations were able to come out of it. And now it's, it's prioritizing those action items and starting to, to put them into effect so that they can be enacted. And Angel, what are your coalition's plans for the future? What's in store for this year for the coalition? Uh, well, in terms of MMIW, I think we're really starting to explore some of the root causes. Um, so why does it feel safer maybe to leave your home than to stay in the community? And so we'll, we'll be taking a really intentional direction toward um, getting at, at that root cause. Um, and developing training around that. But, um, you know, the entire year we have events planned. Uh, this month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I just stepped out of a training to join you here today um, where we joined with the Tribal Law and Policy Institute. We also have an, a 5K in November. Um, we have a Native Youth Summit where last night was the first day of the last cohort. Um, and so tons of events, ways to get involved um, and stay engaged. It's on our website. So if folks um, wanna, wanna check out what we're doing and join us, we, we invite you to. Well, thank you both for your work and your advocacy on this issue. And thank you for joining us here today on New Mexico In Focus. Thank you, Antonia. All right, we're going to continue our experiment this week by breaking down the show uh, on New Mexico PBS into several podcast episodes. So that will bring this one to a close. We will have more on the MMIW story here in New Mexico in future episodes. But we encourage you to tune in over the weekend and in early next week when we bring you those uh 
interviews, in-depth interviews with the congressional candidates in the special election here in New Mexico. Expanded early voting will start on May 15th, so just around the corner, and election day is June 1st. Also want to make you aware of a Facebook Live we did this week with host Gene Grant, and that is about cruising in downtown Albuquerque, how it's working, what could be improved about it, uh, and just the great lowrider culture here in New Mexico uh, that we have, and finding uh, constructive ways to uh, express ourselves in that way. So encourage you, if you haven't already, follow us on Facebook. Sign up to be a member of our Focus on New Mexico page, where we talk about a lot of these issues each and every week. But you can also follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. Just search for at New Mexico in Focus or at NM in Focus. All right. Have a terrific weekend. Hope you're enjoying some rain, staying safe, staying healthy. And we'll talk to you again soon.